Welcome to Mornings with Michelle. I'm Michelle Foster and delighted that you chose to join me on my podcast today. We are inspiring dreams and I am so gifted to have the amazing friends and relationships that I have join me on these podcasts because my ultimate goal is to open your minds to the possibility and inspire your dreams for your life to fulfill everything that you want to have an extraordinary life. So welcome again. My name is Michelle Foster and you are with us today at Mornings with Michelle. Well, welcome listeners. I'm so excited about our beautiful guest today, Travis Michelle. Oh my goodness. I've met her recently through a collaboration in business that I have with some women. And this woman lights me up and I am so excited for you to hear her heart and her story. Let me first introduce you and welcome you, Travis Michelle. Thank you so much. Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. So let's just do a little bit of a brief intro about who you are, and then we're going to dive right into this beautiful, beautiful soul. So Travis Michelle is a best-selling author, speaker, cervical cancer warrior, an advocate and TV host of her own Late Night with Travis Michelle show. Wow. Travis Michelle is a woman who has faced many challenges in her life, having overcome child abuse, teenage pregnancy, a painful divorce, and most recently, cervical cancer diagnosis, she knows what it is to turn her pain into purpose, while at the same time being resilient. Travis Michelle is a reckoning force, and despite these odds, she refused to give up. She became an active participant in her healing, and as a result, she forgave herself first, then others, holding no animosity. We'll talk about that. Today, Travis Michelle is on a mission to help women show up and show out. When life's challenging, challenges show up while being resilient using her signature W-A-L-K walk method so that they are empowered and confident. And again, welcome, Travis Michelle. I'm so delighted to be with you today. Thank you so much, Michelle. I'm so happy to be here. I'm just so happy that we connected and, you know, very honored to be on your show. Well, thank you. Thank you. And there's there's just so much. But I do like to start with the little girl. So at one point when you were five years old, take us back. What did you dream about when you were young? And what did you want to be when you grew up? Please. Wow. Um, you know, that's really it's not a tough question. However, at five, I don't really have a whole lot of memories. I do remember when I was about seven, okay. just wanted my parents to love me. That's, mm-hmm. I really did. Uh, fortunately though, I had the best grandparents in the world, Alice and Clarence Presley. However, you always look for your mom and your dad to love you and they did not. They did not show me love. I won't say what was in their heart, but I can say what was in their actions. Uh, growing up, I wanted to be a um, open heart surgeon. Wow. Wow. Okay. So how, you mentioned about your parents. So how did you get supported by others? My grandparents, Alice Tell and us about Presley. That. Yes. Um, you know, years and years ago, which, I mean, it goes on now, but it was more prevalent than abuse was not spoken about. Family members would protect and hide, and they would always say, well, your mother is just going through something. And then when my parents divorced, you know, it was even worse. So, But I had to hide it from them. They did not realize the gravity of it. So, uh, But my grandparents always told me that, number one, God is in charge. Mm -hmm. I'm one of the king's kids. And when we go through challenges in life, you know, we have to be resilient. And it's a reason for it, but we're always to reach out and help others. So they continued to love on me, told me I was beautiful. I was smart. We traveled, you know, when I was with them and until my mother forced me to live, you know, in Florida with her, I was staying with my grandparents. So you heard as a very young child that you need to be resilient. Yes, I did. That's what my grandparents told me. Yes. Okay. So we all have one big strength 
What's yours? I think my biggest strength is no matter what happens and what uh, trials and tribulations, challenges I've been through, I know that God has my back. He is really my rock. And I accepted Christ at nine and a half years old because I was going to a private school and uh, going to church with my grandparents. They didn't force it on me, but I knew I felt different. And then I, and I know what prayer, how strong and powerful it is. So to me, my strength is like really my relationship with God. Beautiful. That's really beautiful. Beautiful. And so um, now let's really dive into the now. Okay. I mean, there's a lot and I want you to talk about all of it, if you will. But we all have a BHAG, a big, hairy, audacious goal. So today, what is yours? You know, and, and it's so funny you say that because in life, as we, uh, as we grow, and I won't even say as we age, because it's not really about numbers. We put so much emphasis on numbers, but it's really as we grow. Uh, it changes. So now it's, of course, being an advocate, a big mouth, if you will, uh, <laughs> sharing my experience of cervical cancer and bringing awareness um, to the world about gynecological cancer so that we're not shamed and we will take care of our health. But sharing my story to let other people know, yes, we got, we're going to go through some things, but it's how you get through it not the shiny object at the end, but how you get through it. What are your tools that you need? And I'm really passionate about helping as many women, men as well, but I'm a woman and especially black women because we do walk this earth, we're treated differently, even though people don't like to admit it and we wanna make everything nice and shiny. Uh, cancer doesn't allow you to do that. You take off all of the rose tinted glasses and you have to look at yourself and the world clear. And in order to make progress, grow and help others, I had to first be honest with myself. So my, that is one of my big hairy goals. How did you do that? How did you come to this place of, you know, really meeting yourself? Because I, I, I'm sitting here going, wow, how, like, talk about this, please. Uh, well, as I said, um, being able to thrive, not just survive through child abuse and uh, and sexual, it included sexual abuse. Sorry. I was not living with my grandparents. I was in Florida with my mother and her boyfriend. And my mother continued to abuse me until he came into her life. And when he, when, uh, he came in, she stopped abusing me to a degree, but he picked up the sexual part. And I had to, if I didn't have that resolve that, you know what, I'm resilient. This isn't about me. And it was, you know, when I look back on it, I'm like, how did you think of that? I thought <laughs> you were going through it. What in the world? Right. But my relationship with God, I was like, no, you know, this is not God's fault. As people, we make our own choices. But I was a bookworm, you know, I was a nerd. So I was always reading self-help. I was, you know, anything that I could put my hands on so that I could be a better person because I knew I had to fight. And I said, you know, the biggest revenge that I can have is to succeed. I love like, how am I going to do that? One, I know I have to get up out this house. So I did as soon as I could. But that how was- How old were you, Travis Michelle? How old were you at that, at that point? I was 18. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, I was 18. I was, um, but the person that was sexually assaulting me, my mother's boyfriend, who I found out later as she was dying um, a few years ago that she was actually aware. And that was very painful because people would always say, well, how come you couldn't tell anyone? But that's what happens. Abusers are really good at mind control and threatening you. And that's something I want people to like stop blaming yourself and then those that know that it happens you stop blaming people because they stay in abusive relationships because it's really about mind control but, so i want to ask you a question you said mm -hmm. um you ate, were able to forgive yourself i want to talk to that and then i want to talk about how you forgave these people because i think we all can learn a big lesson right here right now from from you right 
Yeah, it wasn't easy. And, and that's something I like to start out with. It's not easy because I have to do it again and again. It's not a one time, you know, it's not a one-off as they like to say, I have to do it over and over again. Um, I forgave myself because I realized I was born into this. Like I didn't ask, I didn't choose my parents. My parents chose me. And I learned to say that from a good friend of mine, right? And so I didn't do anything to deserve the abuse. And I just knew I had to survive. And I knew that I had a purpose and it was because of my grandparents. And I knew I had to get out of that house and I had to get back to New York. And what kept me going was thinking of my grandparents mm-hmm. and that, you know what? Cause I did want to, um, I did try to kill myself. Cause I just, at one point, and I was like, God, this didn't work. I mean, and they, I didn't get caught, even though I went to the hospital, the abuser smoothed it over with the doctor. Wow. Yes. And I said, okay, so we're not going to try that again. Yeah. So I just have to stay um, resilient and get up out of here. And that's what I did. And I was able to get back to New York. In fact, my grandparents were going to kidnap me once I was 18 because they didn't have any power before that. And family in Florida, they were all making arrangements to kidnap me to bring me back to New York. So the support of these role models that absolutely, you know, loved you is Mm -hmm. what gave you the resilience to move forward. That is, is that right? Correct. I had to get back to my grandparents. I love my grandparents throughout. And I don't say loved as in past tense. I love them every day. And the woman that I am today, all of those positive things, you know, the other stuff I did on my own. But um, and I give that credit to my my grandmother, Alice Presley, and my grandfather, Clarence Presley. Beautiful. Well, God bless Alice and Clarence, because look at you, woman. Look <laughs> at you. Oh, my heart is just sore. So, so tell me what, so you leave, you go back to New York, and mm-hmm. then what? Well, when I came back to New York, I was pregnant because the abuser had impregnated me, and I decided to keep my child. Because I said, you know what, God, and I had a conversation with God and I said, even though my mother gave me concoctions to try to help me to have an abortion, she stomped on my stomach. She, you know, beat me, everything. I said, this child is determined to be here. I said, so I am keeping my child. I'm going to love on my child. And so when I came back um, to New York, I was pregnant and I was so ashamed because I felt I'd let my grandparents down. Even though I had no control, I felt I'd let them down. And the type of God-fearing, wonderful, blessed grandparents that I have, they said, hold your head high. This happens to people. You are resilient. This baby's supposed to be here. And nobody better not say a word. And my grandmother was really uh, involved politically in Queens, New York, well-known. And her friends, everyone, all they did was open their arms and love on me. And so I started my career in the legal field, being a word processor. I worked two jobs at night and had a babysitter who would keep my baby so that I could work almost 24 hours for a a few days. And then I would pick him up and then I'd go right back to work. And I was just determined that, you know what, I'm going to love on my child no matter what, because he's supposed to be special. And, you know, so that was one of the toughest things is looking at people and making sure that they didn't treat him different. So, and I know that a lot of people who I have met who've had children, and it's 1% of the world, actually, who children are born through rape, uh, they've said, like, I couldn't, I couldn't love on him. I couldn't look at him. I did, or her. And I was like, why not? That was, that was me. That was my baby. And I fight you, you know? It's 1%. Mm-hmm. Wow. It may have gone up, but the last I checked, it was 1%. Sure. Yeah. sure. People don't let, talk about that. Let me ask you this, because I think it, it transcends so many different situations. But I believe that when we carry ourselves, our posture will command how someone treats us. Did you find that in your experience as a new mom and as a new woman in the workforce? Was it your posture that gave you this ability to keep people 
loving you and your son? Well, I don't think it was because I really wasn't loving on myself. Okay. I was just thriving, right? I wasn't really trying to love on myself. I was loving on him, but I was still blaming myself. Okay. Even though I knew, you know, that I didn't fight hard enough, that I didn't tell more police. I told the police, I told sheriffs, I told police and my family, you know, that I didn't, you know, escape and just run away to New York, you know? So while I was dealing with that, I kept, I had to keep moving forward because I said, I am not going to be in the same situation that my mother had me in. I am going to give the best to my child and continue moving forward. So I didn't really spend a lot of time thinking about it. Yeah. You were so focused on your beautiful son, a mama bear, right? Do not take on a mama bear. Um, So when was the shift tell us what what's the next chapter I well after that uh staying in the legal field and I moved up I was at Sullivan and Cromwell which is one of the oldest law firms in the United States I was working there and um I was working at other law firms as well because like I tell you I had several jobs anytime anyone I could get and I was very good at what I did but I couldn't stand it I mean when I say I hated it I really started to, no disrespect, hate lawyers because they were going after the small businesses. And I just, I wasn't feeling as though I was giving back. And I knew that in my heart, I was to give back. So my aunt that I'm named after, her name is Travis. um, She was a, uh, had heart failure. Well, not heart failure, but she had rheumatic fever and her valves were involved. So she was also Jehovah's Witness and they don't receive blood. They don't accept it. So she went to, she would go to Texas to have her surgeries and she would always come back and say, the nurses were great. She says, the doctors may have saved my life in the operating room, but the nurses helped me live. They taught me how to live. And I just always, I guess she was saying that to me, even when I was younger, that is stuck with me in the back. So we have to be so careful the seeds that we plant in our children. Yes, that's a great point. Great point. So later on getting married and I was like, oh my goodness, that's what, that's what I want to do. And I thought I was just going to go on and start as a a LPN, licensed professional nurse. And there was a licensed professional nurse who lived across from my grandmother. And she says, you know what? I want you to go on to be a registered nurse. Don't stop here. Just go straight into registered nurse. And that's what I did. Beautiful, beautiful. So how have you managed failure along the way. I mean, there's so much. And give me an example into your professional career as you went and you became an RN. And think of a time when you managed a failure and talk to us about it. Uh, One of them was my divorce. I was uh, married to a much older man. And we had, I, I then went on to have two more children. And when the relationship was no longer healthy, I was like, I have to go. I have to take my babies, but he had the money. I didn't because I was a stay-at-home mom for a year with our third uh, child. And I was like, I gave up my independence. Why did I do that? And I said- Probably because you had three kids. No, No. I just said that if I'm going to have this third child, these are my rules because I really wanted to leave. I told him I wanted a divorce. And then um, I got pregnant because I was married. And I didn't do anything or not to get pregnant, right? And I said, so I thought he would have said no, but I told him I wanted a Volvo. I wanted an allowance. I wanted to be able to go away with my friends and he kept the children. I mean, like, who does that? And I was really, and he was, he said, okay. Oh my and goodness. Wow. Yeah. So I sat home for a year and I realized that our relationship did not get better. And I said, I'm going to go into nursing. And that's what I did. And when I made that decision, he was very supportive. And then he started listening to his friends because he's like a lot older than me. And they were saying, oh, you know how these nurses are. She's just going to use you to get her degree. And then she's going to leave you. I had no reason to leave him because I was really spoiled. I was pampered. But he didn't choose to believe me. He believes them. So it became difficult. And I literally had to, it was my grandparents who helped me move out, get my own apartment with my children. And I was in school 
And I was working because of those skills I had as a legal secretary and a word processor, I was able to be a transcriber. So I would transcribe the medical um, uh, tapes from the doctor's offices. And oh, that's how, oh. right. So it all like ties in. And that's how I went in. But it was, you know, for me, my marriage, yes, I did look at it as a failure. And I blamed myself because I didn't want my children to have to go through that. But I also knew that I couldn't stay there for them because I would not be giving them the best example. And I know a lot of people do stay for their children, but your children come back later and they'll say, why did you stay? So they are very aware and we're giving them or teaching them life lessons. So it was better that I leave, but I still wanted them to be involved with him. I just knew I couldn't live in the household with him. So that was really one of the bigger failures. But, you know, everything has a shiny <laughs> lining to it, the way I look at life. Um, my children were still able to see their dad, but I was able to grow. And you know what? I, I was I found I love being a nurse. I love serving. I love making people happy. I love helping them, educating them. So I was learning to in, love myself through my patients. That's beautiful. That's really beautiful. And um, I have so much admiration for your courage, yet constantly blaming yourself for all of it. And I think, and I, I believe, just my belief, that as women, we do tend to do that. Um, and I, I don't know why. I don't believe it's in our DNA, but I do believe it's something that we carry until we don't. Correct. Until we don't. Right. And I think, uh, and not for everyone, because nothing is always, you know, finite that way, but it's ingrained society, what we see on television, advertisements, and what, you know, people are saying to us. And you're a female, you're weak, right? You're not supposed to do this. You have uh, certain limitations. So when you tell someone that over and over again, that's a seed that you're planting, Yes. My parents told me I was ugly my whole life. So I never was concerned about trying to be pretty. My grandmother always told me I was, my grandfather did, but they said it's more important to be smart. So that's what I counted on. Like, that's okay. I'm not, I was never accepted and was in the, the cliques, but they all came to me for tutoring. So I had something. <laughs> well, you know, and I, and I totally agree with you, Travis, Michelle, I, I too went through a divorce and I, uh, first of all, if I had an enemy, I wouldn't wish a divorce on an enemy. I don't have any, I don't believe, but here's my point. About five years after my divorce, I remember this like it was yesterday and it's a lot of years ago. I sat up straight in bed and I thought to myself, my marriage failed, I didn't. And I went, where did that come from? I didn't even know I felt that way until I did. And I think what you're saying about that ingrained, like we don't even realize what's been ingrained in us. And that's where personal development is the key to growing and, and deciding who you are, who, what you get to choose your identity and what you believe and what you feel. Fair comment? It, fair. Uh, however, a lot of times I do feel that people think because you become an adult as you grow, that you ought, you just innately know this stuff. And it's not, it's not true. No. You have no. to make a conscious decision to want to do better, to realize that, you know what, I have some issues I need to deal with. And that's what I did um, when I, my son, I remember it clearly where we were living in Queens in Fresh Meadows. And I must've been yelling at them. And they looked at me and they were like, mommy, why are you yelling at us? And I'm like, it just like a slap. It was like cold water in my face because I didn't realize it. Uh, I had, you know, what you happens in your life. If we don't deal with it, it will deal with us. Yes. So stress feelings were coming up and they were coming up as rage and I didn't know it. And fortunately, I listened to my children. And by the end of that week, we were all in therapy. Because wow. I, I said, I refuse. I will not treat my children the way my mother treated and my father treated me. 
And I wasn't, but I was starting to yell. So we know it was going to escalate and I, I couldn't have it. So I made a conscious decision. And it's also important to the people that we have around us, our yeah. circle, because if you have those people, you don't let your kids say that they're just children seen and be heard, you know, they're to be seen and not heard to a degree true. They need to be respectful. However, you, I had to listen to them because someone else couldn't have said it to me. It wouldn't have felt, it wouldn't have hit the same. And because my son said it to me, I was able to really say, look, I have to be a willing participant. And this brings up my walk method, right? And I've used this my whole life. I just didn't know until a coach helped me develop this acronym. I had to be present. I had to say, look, snap out of this. You need to work on this. This is not, you didn't, you never dealt with being sexually abused or child abuse. And then you have your divorce. This, These are traumas. And in order for your children to be healthier, you need to work on yourself. It starts with me. So that W and the action steps, I had to find a therapist for them, a therapist for myself. It wasn't easy because, you know, I will tell people when you're looking for a therapist, if the first one doesn't work, try again. If the second one doesn't work, try again until you find that person who can understand and are on the same level. Because if you're going to open up that onion and be vulnerable, you want to make sure you're being vulnerable with the right person. And how do you know? How do you know they're right? How, let's let's delve into that a little bit. How do you know? Well, when someone, I would tell my story, and I'm sure I'm I'm giving y'all the glossy, nice part of my story. But when I would really open up to the therapist, they would start cursing, not at me, but they would start cursing, and they would. I don't know if it triggered something in them or maybe their childhood, but they were so angry with my mother, and I was like, but you. I don't need, she's not the focal point. Like it's me. Wow. Yes, you are. Right. And they would ask me, I don't know how you're strong. How come you're not strong out on drugs? You're not a prostitute. You don't drink, you know? And I was looking at them and I said, it's my relationship with God. You know, I really, I, and my grandparents, I, I don't want to shame them. That's just, and I'm not saying that people do those things to shame anyone. I'm just talking about Travis Michelle. This is personal. So I don't make it about you right now but um and no but I don't understand this and I said my relationship with God but no really and they didn't believe in the Lord so I can't really have a conversation openly if you don't have that understanding it doesn't necessarily mean you have to be Methodist or uh Christian etc but you do need to have that understanding that I have a, and respect that when I say it was my relationship with God and I'm telling you different things yeah. So finally, the third person, she did believe in the Lord and she allowed me to share my feelings and did not try to direct me and didn't like want to completely lose it over what I had been through because my story is, you know, it is very triggering for a lot of people. I understand it, but you are my therapist, right? I right. Right. The identity is really misconstrued in that situation, in my right. opinion. Oh, my God. Yeah. So that's how. So if you're not comfortable, if your gut, like we have a sixth sense, we call it our gut. Listen to it because it doesn't usually steer you wrong. We usually go the wrong way sometimes, but it doesn't usually steer you wrong. Yeah. You yes. find that it's not working. Don't worry about hurting their feelings. They have plenty of other folks. This is about you. And that's where you make yourself priority number one. Now, it took me time to really start walking in this priority number one but I'm still sharing it with you. And I love that, Travis Michelle, when you say you have to revisit it and have to re-forgive yourself because it is a journey. And we mm -hmm. do have emotional roller coasters, but I completely agree with you about the sixth sense, the gut. I know when I don't follow it and I know when I do. I mean, I think we all do. So I want you to talk about the walk method. There is one, maybe two, maybe 10 people listening to you right now and literally glued to your words. Talk about the walk method and, and what it does, like without naming anybody, but give us a case study of a beautiful soul that found themselves, please. Okay. Well, what I usually do is myself. Okay, I feel beautiful. I am my best. <laughs> yes. Uh, and I'll, I'll use my divorce because in um, 
the book I, I was a co-author of, Saving Lives While Fighting for Mine, I actually talked about my divorce. So it's out there in public. I, you know, I had to forgive myself. I had to forgive myself for not leaving sooner. I need to forgive myself for marrying him because I loved him. And I still do because we're actually friends now, really good friends. Beautiful. But at the time, I had to not make him a priority and make myself a priority, even though my children couldn't see that. And I had to say, what am I going to do to help me so I can help my children? And so that was that willing participant I was telling you about, the action steps I had to leave. I had to find an exit. I had to have an exit plan. And look, people want to say, oh, but you probably had your grandparents and you had money because I said that earlier. But I was single. I was in college and I was relying completely on my husband for everything. But my grandmother helped me get a car. It was literally taped together, the bumper. No, literally, because my kids, we laugh about it now. <laughs> Chevrolet. And, you know, I was fortunate and blessed that they, my grandma did help me because my grandfather had passed and she had, you know, was financially able to help assist me. But I had to do the work to find an apartment. And fortunately, you know, not taking anything away from him. He continued paying their um, school because they were in private school. So he continued doing that and he continued seeing them, even though the, you know, the judge said I should not allow him to see the children, but he wasn't trying to hurt them. He was upset with me and I knew the importance of them seeing their dad and me not trying to change their mind. And, you know, he's no good. I didn't do that in front of them. I tried my very best. So it's interesting that a judge would say don't have a father be around their children. That's an interesting comment. I'm sure there's a lot behind that, but that's just to me, that's a very interesting comment. It's very interesting, but remember this, you know, I'm a black woman. So in um in our history, even with welfare, which was not built for black people, it was just later on we were given that, but they changed the rules that in order for a woman to have to receive. They had to have a man out of the household. So that's that's historical. So for the judge to say that to me, you know, I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. Do what you got to do. That I didn't say it to them, but that's what I thought. So I had to take those action steps, finding the attorney. My grandfather, again, helped me pay for that. And if not, there are other resources out there like legal aid for those of you who are listening. So then it came to the L that love yourself part, because see, we've done the W, willing participant. I had to say, I need to do better. How am I going to do better? Then A, action steps, follow up. The L, loving myself. Doesn't it sound good? Love yourself. What does that really mean if you haven't had somebody love on you? You don't know what that means because clearly you haven't had love. You've had maybe manipulation. You've had abuse. So loving myself was freedom. The first one was forgiving myself. I had to forgive myself that, you know what? I let my children down. I let my grandparents down. I let me down. I let God down. And God was like, you didn't let me down. But I still had to forgive me so that I could move forward. And once I forgave myself, it didn't matter what anyone else had to say to me because then it led to freedom. And then freedom leads to redemption. And that redemption part of the loving yourself is walking through the process. Now it freed me up that what do I need to do? Getting the attorney, making sure my kids are in the schools, making sure they're still getting to basketball, baseball, football, ballet, karate, whatever it is, and try to maintain a B average in this private school, get them to school, taking them with me to college, literally in the evenings after picking them up, people helping me with do their homework, you know, and trying to work this two pieces of a job. So that led to K though, kicking butt unapologetically. Mm -hmm. That means that my children are able to still get their education. I was still able to get a job during uh, in 1996 when they had a freeze on hiring nurses. So in this, it actually was in the country and I was still able to get a job. I was able to pass my boards, you know? So because of that and my, what is it? My divorce came through at that time also. So I was able to like stand up like, yes, I'm doing this. I'm resilient. I didn't give up. And there were days I wanted to. So when I'm speaking, know that 
it's not like, oh my gosh, she's so good, but maybe I'm not that good and I can't do it. No, nah, there were plenty of days when I was weak as heck, okay? Weak, did not want to go on, wanted to give up. It was like, you have the a nun at this at the college say, you have a lot going on. You know, maybe you should wait and not continue until your divorce is finished. Yeah, you know, and meanwhile, I'm like, this man is trying to take my kids. He has money. He's older. But because I was a registered nurse, the judge gave me grace. The same judge that was knocking me, that embarrassed me in front of everybody and says, you're the reason for the divorce because you're so much younger. Yeah. Then, oh, but you're becoming a registered nurse. All of a sudden the tables, you know, change. But now wow. I know it's because I have gray and grandmother. And she had those prayer warriors and I was praying and I kept trying to do the right thing. I could have been nasty. I could have been really horrible, but I knew that that was not going to help my kids and it wasn't going to help me. And the more I would do that, like my grandma would always say, when you dig in a grave for someone else, make sure you dig in your own too. So I didn't want to <laughs> do that. <laughs> and I just had to keep looking forward and having, it was such a small circle of people around me because it wasn't my mother. It wasn't my yes. father. Yes. It wasn't my friends. It was actually friends at school and my grandparents and her friends that were my circle that really like when I, my crown was hanging off to the side when I was just feeling like I couldn't make it anymore. They were the ones that said, you know, you got this. Yes, you can. You can do it. You are going to do it. You have no choice but to do it. You have a legacy. You are made of good stock. That's what my grandmother would always say. So there is not going to be any, we give up. So today, so today you are very much about empowering women. Are you still a nurse? I am still a registered nurse. I am. I'm just on leave um, while I'm still healing on my second half of uh, Actually, there's so many parts of when you have uh, cancer, but on this rebuilding healing part, uh, I'm not working as a registered nurse yet. So you are still in the rebuilding stages because you look amazing. You look healthy and you can't always say that when someone's in the midst of surviving. Is that a fair comment? Surviving cancer? Yes. Um, and I say I'm a warrior. Uh, and that's just, you know, words are so important. Absolutely. So I am never, you know, I always walk to the beat of my own drum. And I say I'm a warrior because when people, and thank you for bringing that up, the point that, yes, I look, you know, good. You look amazing. You look like a movie star. Ladies and gentlemen, please. <laughs> but not because of that, because of, I want to bring awareness that we come out and we try to, we make ourselves look good. But when you peel back the onion, we're hurting, we're tired, yeah. anxiety, yeah. we have depression, we have stuttering, we have a whole lot of doctor's appointments. Some are going through divorce. Some people have the issues with their children, their, you know, their jobs. There's so much going on. So this is our presentation. This is our face because we're not going to come out looking busted and disgusted, right? And, but <laughs> just be mindful that when someone shares that they have had cancer or they're they're warring you know right now to say what can I do to help if that if you mean that and it doesn't mean that we want you to take us to the doctor and all of that but a text just saying like you said wow you really look good but make sure that you're still taking care of yourself not girl just pray on it you be okay that doesn't help that doesn't do anything that's not helping anyone in fact it, mm, it that's really interesting. Travis, that's really, that's so sound because I think so often when our our hearts are feeling for someone, we want to use the right words. And so for you to warrior us through that verbiage, can you repeat those words again, please? Because I really want the listeners to hear that because obviously if people are on my podcast, they have hearts. <laughs> they wouldn't be here. Yes. You know, so I say that, oh, it, we're, it's a warrior where I'm a warrior and cervical cancer warriors, because once you're diagnosed, you have to make a decision. Am I going, I had to put myself through the walk method again. How am I going to get through it? Am I going to just bowl up, roll up in a ball and give up or am I going to fight? 
And I'm not judging whether people decide to give up or whether they decide to fight. It's their choice. It's just being supportive. Be supportive of that person and their decision. It's not you. It's not your body. You don't know what it feels like. And I'm a registered nurse and I also worked in oncology. But when I heard those words, you have cervical cancer, stage 3B, 3C, but it's curable. I didn't concentrate on the cancer part. I concentrated on the curable. That's what I heard. I knew I had cancer. Okay, fine. But you said curable. Then you know what? We're going to, we, what, what, let's go. And I did, you know, fall apart for three days, three whole days. I was, I didn't mean for it to be three days. It just worked out that way. And I snotted, I cried, I cursed, I screamed. I wiped my tears and said, okay, let's go. What's next? And I was very blessed and I am blessed that Sasha, Akil, and Kalik, and I mention my children's names all the time because they are my support. They are my ride for lifers. And I have friends as well, but they are my ride for life. When, you know, the hardest thing I ever had oh, to do was to share with my three adult children that I had cervical cancer. I didn't concentrate that it was advanced because people probably didn't even get it on here when they just heard, oh, 3B, 3C. Yeah, it was advanced. And, um, but I didn't say that part. But, you know, my daughter took it a little uh, harder because everybody's going to take it differently. And that, I think as cancer warriors, we have to accept too. Everybody's not going to be like supportive and be there. It might trigger something for them. They're going to go through their own funk, their own feelings with death. It's going to bring that to the surface. Uh, but my sons are like, mom, this is just part of your story. This is supposed to be in your book and you're supposed to be on stages talking about it. You got this. Let's go. Wow. So it's like, wow. oh, I am getting up here. I am fighting. I took the action stuff that I prayed. But uh, that's another thing. When you know that someone believes in the Lord has a relationship, regardless of you know what uh, higher power they believe in, telling them to just pray on it, it's like what? What are you talking about? Just pray on it. Now I, I don't understand that because faith without action is dead. I had to pray and ask for discernment, be very clear, and then action steps. What doctors? Uh, you know what facilities? Where, where am I going for a second opinion? doing my research on my own. And I'm not talking about Google either, okay? I know everybody does Google and every, everybody does Yahoo. I mean, Yahoo. Oh my goodness, I really took us back, didn't it? Everyone <laughs> does YouTube University. No, I'm talking about going to uh, MD Anderson, Columbia, Columbia Presbyterian website, going to Memorial Sloan Kettering websites, going to the National Institute of Health, going to the CDC, going and looking for right. your or cancer. That's what I'm talking about. Going there and looking to see what is to be expected because they will have on their websites, the staging, um, questions to ask your doctor, that kind of thing. That's what I'm talking about because I think we can just go Google it because I went to some forums and I would have wanted to kill myself because it was just awful. But so there's some warriors on listening to this podcast and I truly believe their angels are bringing them here. I truly believe that. And so that is what you do. You will help a warrior in their journey. Yes? Yes. I, you know, and it, when I say I help women, and especially Black women, because I am a Black woman, and going through this, you hear, oh, no, everything is good. You should be treated the same. Registered nurse and a Black woman, I still wasn't. When I went for my second opinion, I was dismissed. I was not given time to absorb process. They went through my whole diagnosis and treatment in 15 minutes. And I can say that I wasn't being emotional because I had my one of my best friends with me in the room, my daughter and a friend who's a doctor on the phone. And they all heard the same. They were like, oh my goodness, yeah, you're not going there. You're going to the first place, which I knew, but you always have to go for a second opinion. And this was... I needed to make sure that scientifically the diagnosis was the same and then that we could work on how I'm going to get through it, the prognosis and treatment plan. But yeah, it's so important um, that we have that circle. But no, what I do is I really help women who are going through life's challenges. It could be a divorce. It could be grief. 
It could be losing a job. It could be a relationship. It doesn't have to be that you were married. It doesn't have to be an intimate relationship, uh, a business, just your teenagers. Cause I pray for all of y'all that have teenagers, but whatever that is, those challenges are, how do you show up and show out? It right. doesn't always mean you have to be perfect. Cause I come on sometimes a little raggedy, but I'm still showing up. <laughs> right. Right. You know, this one eyelash is like, I am not working with you today. And I don't care that you're going on Instagram and I don't care that you're being interviewed. We just going to hang out the way we feel like, you know, how are you still going to show up regardless? And I give you those tangible tips and tools, not just, oh, love yourself. And that's it. Oh, it's the walk method. And that's it. No specifics. How are we going to do this? One step at a time. That's why it's called walk. Cause I'm always saying walk in your purpose, walk with your head held high. Cause that's what my grandmother taught me. I was given, um, I had to take ballet classes growing up and you have to hold your chest up, shoulders back, chin up, no. you know, you're not allowed to slouch over. Right. Because right. You, you, that also does something to your breathing. And it, when you do that, you kind of almost can't be all crunched up and looking sad. So mm -hmm. that point. <laughs> exactly. So that's why it's like walk. Yes. You, you're going to walk through this and you're not going to continue to allow other people to kick on you. That's why it's called kick butt unapologetically. I wanted to say that, ah. but I was like, okay, well, you know, I was told, no, just say kick the butt. So it's kick butt unapologetically. Like, yeah, that's make it a them problem because other people have issues with us and they make it our problem and we absorb it and we're women and we're like, oh my gosh, it's about me. Yeah. I have to I love it. that. It's their problem. Absolutely. Their problem. And when we, let's talk about that slouching thing for a minute. Cause I say this to women all the time. When I tell them, turn your shoulders back. And if someone's looking in areas, they shouldn't lift their chin and say, my eyes are up here. Their problem. Their right. Anyway, that was a tangent, but it's something that I get on all the time. So Travis Michelle, tell our listeners, and I will also put this in the show notes. And I absolutely want to have you come back because I really want to walk with you on this journey because you're in... What level are you in, in your recovery, in your warrioring through your cervical cancer? Where are you with it? Well, I finished treatment and treatment involved. Uh, it was it, July will be July 12th, actually, because I had to have major surgery as well. And, uh, but that was the date of the surgery. So it's not where the recovery, the recovery has been a year. <laughs> Wow, After that, a long time, yeah, yeah. Not, and I had uh, two uh, chemotherapy around five weeks of radiation external, and then two and a half weeks of internal radiation. So, and a lot of people are like internal radiation. What the heck? Yes, I was so. just going to say, what is that? Well, it's uh, it's barbaric, and thank God that I was under anesthesia for those two and a half weeks. Um, but as you say, it's internal. So there was a apparatus that they would have to uh, put in my vagina and have radiation to wow. shoot at and target the, um, the tumor. Cause my tumor was four centimeters, which is extremely large. Yes. It was almost going to be, um, it's going to the rest of my body, which we would call metastatic. So I was just really, it was caught when God said it was supposed to be caught. Cause I saw I'm, he said, live and shall not die. And um, so once you do that, then I had to have more tests and you're always having tests. You're always having blood work, PET scans, MRIs, CAT scans, all types of tests constantly. And you're very fatigued and weak, um, but then you're on the rebuilding side after I had my surgery. So now I'm rebuilding and thankfully, but actually I need to share and hardly anyone ever speaks about it except amongst us warriors that the recovery for me is much worse than the treatment ever was. Really? Yes. Can yes. you give us, cause I, I would like to have you come back and really delve into this because tell me why, tell me why. Well, 
when I would go for the treatment of external radiation and my chemo, I knew five episodes, uh, sessions of chemo. That's very finite. I knew there was five weeks Mm -hmm. of radiation, Mm -hmm. very finite. So there's an end. There's an end. Yes, I could get through that. Right. Right. And I did it by, you know, just being resilient and saying my children and my grandchildren's names at every single day to get me through this. Then you take a break, they do tests. Okay, I know that there's tests, that's the next step. Now I have to have internal radiation. Well, I know they explained it to me. Yes, I'm a registered nurse, but let me tell you something, like nothing prepared me no matter what, even though my doctors were excellent at New York Presbyterian Columbia at 168th Street, I love Dr. Gockley, Dr. Chen. I'm spreading mm. their name to the world. They, My team was so good. And the staff from the radiologists, even the gentlemen at the parking lot. Like when I would get there in the morning, they would say, hello, my lady. And I'm like, I don't know you. But it, you know, and I had a smile on every day, even though I didn't feel it because mm. I had, to, if you see it, right? Words are important. So I was like, thank you. But um and then that two and a half weeks, I knew it's two and a half weeks. Like I, I can get through this every other day going to the operating room, but I can get through this. Then thinking, all right, that's it. But the doctors decided, no, you need to have a complete hysterectomy. So I knew what to expect, even though I didn't know what to expect, but I knew the words, right? Right, right. And so then it's- And again, it's finite. It's finite. And then saying, okay, how, you know, going through recovery, but that part sharing, like, it's not finite for me. There are certain treatments I have to do for myself and that I have to go and have, and no one can tell me when it's going to end. They can't tell me when, you know, um, my body is going to stop responding and stop having spasms. They can't tell me when I will stop stuttering. And I know you're gonna say, but you don't stutter. That's because I'm on, I'm being interviewed. And when I'm on my Instagram or I'm on my show or I'm on a stage, I don't stutter. But once the lights turn off, yes, I do stutter. Isn't that interesting? Yes. So, you know, you don't know when am I gonna get my strength back? Radiation, because I had so much of it, I will go through periods, I'll be at a hundred. And the next thing you know, I'm at minus a hundred and it happens instantly. They can't tell me when that's going to end. They can't tell me when I'm going to have a normal sex life. They can't tell me, you know, well, at some point we can say that this is over. They can say every 90 days, I have to go to the doctor for two years and I have to in between go for a radiation oncology, general oncologist, and now urogynecologist, and then the kidney doctor, and then the uro- urologist. And then you, I also see a therapist and I have cognitive behavioral therapy. It's like you're adding on instead of being able to take away. I'm not at Let that. Let me ask you this, because I agree with what you said earlier, that words are powerful. And I also believe that when we declare an identity, we own it. So when you talk about being a warrior and whether or not you're a warrior because of whatever the past was, that momentum of that word is so, I'll use your word, resilient for anyone listening to this podcast, right? Because do we ever have a final answer to our personal journeys? No. And you've, in my opinion, correct me if I'm wrong, you've taken this thing with the C word and you've turned it into this thing called warrior and you're just kicking ass and taking names. Is that a fair comment? It is, but you see, you said the C word. That's what my grandparents, they used to always call it the C word. I call it cancer. It's cervical cancer, it's breast cancer, it's uterine cancer. You know, it's prostate cancer. Just name we it. need to name it. And I know I've had some um, Christians in my life and say, you can't claim it. You know, that's what's giving you, giving it power. And I was like, how can I give it power when God is all powerful? I'm no, I'm not giving it power. 
but I have oh, to. Oh, I see what you're saying. By me saying, ah, oh, I got it. I got it. But that's not, you're not, ident your identity isn't the cancer. No, no. That's where the warrior, oh, that is so enlightening for any situation. Correct me if I'm wrong. Correct. Exactly. But you have to call it out. How do you yeah. go to war and not know who your enemy is or right. you know something about it? You're investigating, right? Well said. Well said. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, I really want to have you back and I want to delve into categories. Like I really okay. want to explore nutrition. I really want to explore um, energy with you. I want, there's so much that I would love to ask. So will you come back and see me? I would be more than happy to come back. I really enjoyed myself. And, you know, I want to thank you for being open to allowing me to share. And um, I want to be that voice for those, especially, you know, women and Black women uh, and Brown women, because they're included, but that they don't want to share. They don't want to have that voice. And that's okay. You can right. have a voice that's actually verbal. But as long as you're resilient and you're still fighting and you're warring, that's fine. But I need to get this message out. And so I really thank you for giving me this opportunity because, yes, people think that it's so easy for me to share these things. And it's not. It's uncomfortable. But I've made a decision that if my discomfort for a few moments allows someone else to live and to grow and to heal and get better and get treatment and stand up for themselves and be resilient then so be it. I shall be uncomfortable. Amen. Oh my goodness. Travis, Michelle, you are, oh, you light me up. Tell us how people can reach out to you. Again, I'll put it in the show notes, but just tell us how we can get to you. You can get to me on LinkedIn, YouTube, um, Instagram, especially on my Instagram at Travis Michelle on YouTube. It's um, at Travis Michelle, seven, two, five, one. You can also email me at info at trevismichelle.com. And I've been watching a couple of years, like I just watched yesterday, I think it was your Instagram story about the eyelash. I was busting a gut. I was, but the message is so clear, but the humor is phenomenal. You really do have a gift. Really, you have a story, you have a big story, but you have a gift in how you speak. So thank you so much. And uh, to our listeners, I'm so grateful for all of you. If you have questions, uh, and if you, when we bring her back, uh, lead questions for me and I'll bring those up. But if you really want to learn and live and love from this beautiful woman, get in touch with her. And one thing before I go, because I'd be remiss if I don't have my outro, because this is, it's actually my... Um, your tagline is usually they teach you in the beginning, but this is my outro and this is how it goes. I am Travis Michelle. Too much for some, not enough for others, but guess what? I'm always just right for me. Oh, I love that. Oh, bravo, girl. Love, love, love that. And I will actually put that in my show notes. You rock. Thank you so much for taking the time to love on yourself. And I've learned so much today. And that's the beautiful part of doing interviews is I just feel so honored to know you and uh, we collaborate together. So we are just beginning. So thank yes, you. Thank you. Thank you for a beautiful, beautiful time together. Make it a great rest of your day. Well, that's a wrap for today. I want to thank you for your time. It's so precious. Our time and our time freedom is everything. So I want to thank you for joining us today at Mornings with Michelle. Uh, this is Michelle Foster. And I encourage you to come visit us on Instagram at Collagen Works, W-E-R-K-S, Collagen Works, because we are doing some fun things there with Instagram parties, with fun giveaways. We have, it's all about beauty, and all about fun tips. So again, go ahead and go to your Instagram and become part of our community at College and Works because we have really fun Instagram parties. Looking forward to seeing you there. 
And always feel free to comment on the podcast or if there's something that you would like us to talk about, please let me know your thoughts. That would be amazing. Have a super fantastic day, my friend. This is Michelle Foster from Mornings with Michelle signing off.